Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Good evening, and welcome to this, your worst nightmare. <laughs> the following program is a podcastwarn.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzy. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. This, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the part of thunder and rock and roll. That's right, and it's Halloween. It's Eek Week. <laughs> right here on TIJ. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride. <laughs> Franken chicken. He's a bad motherfucker. Franken chicken. Bark, bark. Franken chicken. He's a bad motherfucker. The terror sweeps across the land, insanity permeating every pore. Beware of the lunacy known as the Franken Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I've been singing that to Corey Taylor all week long after he started talking about the Franken chicken uh, that he saw at the uh, freak show wrestling in Las Vegas. One of my favorite, favorite things ever. Franken chicken. So amazing. Uh, another one of my favorite things, Halloween and horror movies. And this guy, actually both these guys have made some classic, classic horror movies. Troma Films founder Lloyd Kaufman, the man who created and was behind the movies Toxic Avenger, Nukem High, Redneck Zombies, Sergeant Kabuki Man, Tromeo and Juliet, Terra Firmer, and of course, Blood Sucking Freaks, featuring Ralphus, the murderous little person, or as Hornswoggle would say, the murderous midget, where I got the name for my sidekick in WCW. Lloyd has made so many amazing movies with almost no budget, and he's world famous for it, and has influenced so many amazing filmmakers from Tarantino to Eli Roth talk more about Eli in a little bit. We'll find out how Lloyd makes his movies. Plus, we'll find out who he went to Yale with, George W. Bush. Yeah, he made his first movie with his childhood friend, Oliver Stone. Does he still talk to either? Plus, Lloyd started the careers of Kevin Costner, Samuel L. Jackson, so many other huge A-list Hollywood stars. Plus, Lloyd might be one of the only extras to be in the credits of two Rocky films, and Guardians of the Galaxy. we got lots coming up with Lloyd Coffin. What a great guy. So much fun. Plus, 
Speaking of fun and a great guy, Eli Roth is coming back as well to discuss his favorite horror films of all time. What's going on with Green Inferno? What projects he's working on now? And the the, the sensation that's sweeping the nation, uh, hashtag six second scare. It is such a great idea. You got to go on Twitter and Vine and check out all of the six second mini horror movies that are up there right now competing for the grand prize. I'm in it. Chop Chop Son is the name of my six-second scare. Go check it out right now. And also, go check out my link on podcastone.com for Amazon. Thank you so much for supporting this show. You know you can do that even more by going to Amazon and buying whatever you want because they're a proud sponsor of Talk is Jericho. And every time you shop at Amazon through one of my links, Amazon gives a small percentage of your purchase back to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, and Amazon Canada. A, just go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You get all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon like for instance the new Fozzie record do you want to start a war my new best-selling book the best in the world at what I have no idea have you got it yet have you checked it out what are you waiting for people are raving that it's their favorite book of the three that I've done just like the raving that the Fozzie record do you want to start a war is our best thank you so much if you've bought it and if you haven't what are you waiting for plus you can also pick up one of Lloyd Kaufman's trauma film movies on DVD uh, like I said Toxic Avenger one through five that's a great when Terra Firmer, one of my all-time favorite trauma movies. Also, Tromeo and Juliet is, is amazing as well. You might want to start with those if you're looking for a Lloyd Kaufman film to begin with. Or how about an Eli Roth movie, Hostel, Cabin Fever, Hostel 2, uh, maybe uh, Inglorious Bastards. He played the bear Jew in that movie. Eli has done so many things, uh, and there's so many things you can buy at Amazon. Truth is, whatever you want. You want to buy a TV, you want to buy a computer, anything, a desk, a microphone, Anything you want to get, and if you use my link, it won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or charges. So if you happen to be doing some Amazon shopping, you can help out the show in the process. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Bookmark it so you can get to these links in one easy click. And keep supporting the show. Thank you so much. All right. Mentioned, do you want to start a war? Fozzie currently off the road, but we're getting back on the horse again. Cinderblock Party Tour with Texas Hippie Coalition and Shaman's Harvest starts November 20th at the Machine Shop in Flint, Michigan, going all the way into December, ending December 12th in St. Pete, Florida. And then we're taking it overseas. The Cinderblock Party World Tour 2015 with the Dirty Youth starts March 4th in Belfast, Ireland, goes all the way to March. Uh, well, who knows? We're still booking dates at this point. Go to FozzyRock.com to see all of the dates and all VIP package information. England, Ireland, Scotland, overseas, and that's just the beginning of that. So come on down. Check us out. Plus, don't forget, November, uh, just a few weeks from now, 10th through the 15th, I will be back with the WWE for just a short period of time. Four shows in England, two in Germany. If you're going to be there, I'm excited to see you. Go to Facebook, Chris Jericho, to find out all that information. All right, Lloyd Kaufman is coming up. But right now, we're going to kick off Eek Week with my good friend, the very talented and sexy Eli Roth. People go missing around here. They're gone for good. All right, here to discuss his favorite horror movies, my old friend Eli Roth from Location. What's up, my man? How are you, dude? I'm too- I show up uh, on time for you this time. <laughs> I was laughing. I'm still envisioning you wearing like a, a disheveled tuxedo. 
stumbling in from all-night Oscar parties. And, and by the way, now I feel like I have to appear that way at all times around you. Yeah, I, I was almost envisioning like, that's your director's outfit. Like you wear a tuxedo with the bow tie, but it's not tied up. It's kind of just hanging around your neck. You're like, we got to get this shot, see? Okay, Thanks. zoom in on the close-up. Hey, snap to it, see? No, my new look, I'm going to look like Dudley Moore and Arthur, just like stumbling around <laughs> drunk in a tuxedo, maybe about the top hat. With with the cigarette in the holder. (laughs) So you're calling from location. I know it's kind of a a secret project. I've been following you, as I always do. Uh, You mentioned that you're filming some stuff. Is it a secret project? Uh, No, this one is is out in the open. Uh, It's called South of Hell. It's a brand new series that I'm doing with Jason Blum from Blumhouse. who did uh, Ouija just opened this weekend. Oh, okay. uh, So this is one of his first TV projects. And it's with Jim Manos, who's the creator of Dexter. They brought me this great script. With, uh, um, it's about a woman who fights demons and possession. It's exorcism-themed. And we got Mina Suvari in the lead. So we just finished our first week of shooting, and it went awesome. I did some really, really insane stuff that I've never gotten to do before. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be really fun. Are you directing? Yeah, I'm directing the first episode. But the other directors are Jennifer Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Ty West. Of course, the Sacrament, House of Devil Ty is going to direct one. Uh, Jeremiah Chechik, Rachel Talalay, who did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. So, really, uh, we've got a really fun group. And the script is great and um, awesome it, cast. So, we're having a good time. It seems that, like, after a few years of doing other things, still obviously um, very much involved in, in, in a lot of Hollywood's things and a lot of great projects, you're now kind of getting back into the director's chair and really kind of. Uh, going back to to, to, the, to your horror roots after a few years of kind of doing some other things. Well, you know, it's weird how we can't escape our taste. Like, no matter <laughs> what you do, you're always going to love wrestling and heavy metal and rock <laughs> and horror. Like, we can think we're going to outgrow them or mature, but it just suddenly, it just gets, it's almost like it gets, it's a condition that gets worse. Right. Um, you know, but it, the truth is, like, you can't control what you like. And I, I look for other stuff. The movie that I just, the movie that I directed with Keanu Reeves, that I'm um, almost, I'm doing the sound and music on it now, Knock Knock, is mm-hmm. a thriller. Um, and then the script comes along in a great project, and, and I came on as an executive producer. And I thought, you know what, it'd be awesome to have another TV series going that if, it, if it's a hit and it does well and keeps going for years, I'll always have something where I can always jump in and direct an episode, you know? Right, well, that's, and that's what you do with Hemlock Grove, because that, that just did its third season, and that's the last season, right? Yeah, their writers are cracking the stories for it right now, but it's going to be the final season. Um, so we got that, so hopefully if this one does well, it'll, uh, it'll keep going. I, there, there's no air date or anything yet, but we're doing eight episodes. You are working on um, No, No, what, what's going on with, uh, with Green Inferno? I know there's been some issues with the distribution, and talk about the movie that everybody is waiting to see. I've seen the trailer. It looks amazing. Is there some holdups with that? Is it legal stuff? Yeah, it's a legal stuff. It's a weird situation that um, not only have I never been in, it's one that a lot of people, even in the industry, are like, wow, this is, this is a new one. Um, the CEO of this company, Worldview Entertainment, got fired, mm-hmm. and they were going to pay part of the advertising spend. And they just there was like a big kind of legal rift between Worldview and Open Road, the distributor, because it's just, it's like for a lot of messy reasons, it's really, it's sort of no one's, I mean, we can see who's wrong and it's sort of no one's fault, but it's a whole culmination of things. But it's, it's basically a bunch of lawyers are all trying to work it out. So this is what it is. And it's just a slow process and it's really frustrating because oh, yeah. we can't pick a release date. We don't know what's going to happen. And I don't have the answers either other than every day 
I'm checking in, and they're like, okay, we have a call set for Tuesday. Uh, this was, you know, push. All right, Friday we're going to talk. Okay, they, we had a great call. They're going to send over their new turn. All that kind of stuff, and it's just been dragging on. Um, and it, it, apparently this, this company has several other movies that are caught in this similar oh. situation. So it's like the thing that's cool is we're going to do it in 4DX for the international release. There's one theater in the U.S. that does this now where the seats move and there's like wind blowing and oh, wow. air and water sprays <laughs> on you. I know when you, when you come to Los Angeles, I, I, I got a, I went to the 4DX tester room and I saw how the 4DX version of Green Inferno and it's like when the, when the camera's flying over the jungle, the seats get forward and you get wind in your face and your stomach really turns. It's really oh, one of the craziest, most fun experiences. So when the movie... I, I kind of feel like there'll be more 4DX theaters built by the time the movie gets released. But every, everyone's pushing to get it out as soon as possible. It's not going to be out 2014, for sure. It's kind of giving up hope on that, but 2015. But, well, uh, yeah, it's just like lawyers and letters and emails. So all I can do is just keep moving forward, man. Just, well, yeah, you know, exactly. Finish knock-knock, shooting stuff to hell, writing other stuff, and, you know, I can't, I can't well on it. You gotta create destinies, man. That's uh, that's yeah, what you gotta man, do. Yeah, man, I got people building scarecrows, I gotta give them destinies. <laughs> I always think of, I think of you and Halloween, you know, I don't know if people know that we're a huge fan of the documentary, American movie, with Mark Borchardt, and uh, opens on Halloween when you have people building scarecrows. That's right, yeah, in, in black and white. Black <laughs> but and white. That's why I wanted to have you on, though. It's Halloween week, and uh, later on the show today, I have Lloyd Kaufman on, one of the, the greatest... Uh, greatest horror movie filmmakers, kind of B-movie filmmakers. Actually, you and I became friends years ago because of our mutual love of heavy metal, wrestling, horror, etc. I wanted to talk to you about some of your favorite horror movies of all time. And I know you go beyond just like, oh, I love Halloween uh, Halloween, and I love you know uh, Friday the 13th. I mean, you know every movie, and you've turned me on to, to so many great ones. I wanted to kind of go through a few of them with you and see what, what's kind of like if you had to kind of put together a list of some of your favorite horror movies that maybe some of my uh, listeners could, could watch over the next few days where oh, do you definitely. even start definitely well you know there's the classics the thing is it's funny how texas chainsaw massacre for me which is a classic to a 20 year old kid today might be boring mm-hmm. and um there are certain movies that transcend that i think the shining definitely transcends that the first nightmare on elm street which terrified me now people watch it and they see a young johnny depp and they're looking right at the, you know the scott Bayo socks and the, the feathered <laughs> hair um, I, I feel like horror movies have to be judged on how scared you were the very first time you saw it. Because people will always do this thing where they're like, oh, you know, I rewatched The Ring. It's not really that scary. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, with a comedy, you can have a movie like Anchorman or Slapshot, and the more you watch it, the funnier it gets. But horror, the power of it is that you don't know what's going to happen in that anticipation. Mm. That potency is the very thing that you lose every time you watch it more and more and more. So, of course, as it as you watch a movie like Night of the Creeps for the 75th time, <laughs> you just love the fact that in the bathroom stall it says Striper. It's like written, written on one of the stalls right before the kid gets killed. So then you go in your high school and you write Striper in the same stall in the same place because there'll be some other Night of the Creeps fan. Like it's those little weird things yeah. that make the movie for you. So I would say, but these are, these are some movies that are like timeless classics. Um, just before you get, do you remember in Sleepaway Camp too when they do the reveal and they go and they see all the dead bodies in the cabin and there's like dead body and there's dead leech girl and then right in the middle there's a flotsam and jetsam album cover for no apparent reason right in the middle of the shot. 
And, and you know what's funny is I talked to Fred Decker, director of Night of the Creeps, and he's like, yeah, my art director, like her boyfriend was, the, the girl was the set decorator, her boyfriend was the striper, was the bass player. <laughs> no she kidding. That the shout out to him. No, totally. There's actually a striper connection between the art director. She's like, I'll just give a shout out to my boyfriend's fan. And yet that's the thing that everybody's like, did you see Night of the Creeps? Yeah, striper. Like, it's the weird <laughs> right, thing. It's right, like, right, right, right. So I love that kind of stuff. Um you know, I, I think that uh, the Ring is great. You know, the Ring, the, mm. the original Japanese one, and the the remake with Naomi Watts. I rewatched it recently. It's it's no accident that movie was such a hit. It's just very creepy. It's full of creep and menace. It scared Gore Verbinski, of course, went on to do all the Pirates of the Caribbean mm-hmm. movies. Um, really, it's a great it's a great movie. You know, and people I think people knock it because it was a remake, but that movie. That movie is, is one of my favorites. I think John Carpenter's The Thing is a classic. Uh, it's one of those movies as a kid. Now you look back and there's no women in the movie. It's just all dudes. Right. right. Macho testosterone movie, kind of like the way Reservoir Dogs is. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this. What, what do you think happened uh, at the end? Do you think because it, it it's just Kurt Russell and, and, and uh, Keith, uh, Keith Scott? David Keith. Keith. Yeah, David oh, Keith. No, no, who's David the... Keith. Or Keith David. Keith David. Keith David. Yeah. That's the one. Who do you, do you think that one of them was the thing at that point? I mean, I've heard different things. I've heard different theories. I think now Carpenter's like, oh, they were both things. But I wouldn't believe that. I can't believe they were both things. I mean, I want to believe that they were both human. Right. But uh, I don't know. It's something I've been arguing since... Uh, you know, since, like, <laughs> came out since fifth grade. We've been arguing about whether such a, such a great ending too. And then, and the like, oh. so, like I remember, like you 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 made a great point earlier uh, about how the the secret to horror movies is you don't know what's going to come next. And when they're kind of doing the uh, the, uh, the the horror the heart paddles and the the whole body cavity opens into the giant oh, mouth. Just- Amazing. One of the most creepiest things, uh, along with the head turning into a spider. You don't forget stuff like that. No, that opening scene when they do the blood test, just the scalpel against the thumb. And Rob Bottin is a, a wizard at special effects. He was like 19 or 20 when he did wow. that. Just, just amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, and it was so over the top. And it's, it's interesting how that for that movie they called John Carpenter, quote, a pornographer of violence. Wow. That was what the critics called him. And that's why he made Starman after, which was a comedy. Because really? So tired. Yeah, it's like it's like when Raimi made Evil Dead. Now the first Evil Dead is a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it will be as scary to people, but it's great to think that Sam Raimi made that at twenty-one with three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's like insane. a year doing it. Broke uh, Bruce Campbell's tooth driving. He put the camera on the motorcycle and ran it through the woods. They call that the Raimi cam. But a lot of that stuff is that- sort of three. Crazy Three Stooges camera work Sam Raimi invented. That's how he did it with uh, a motorcycle? Because you know what you're talking about, that, that, that shot to the woods yeah. where it's like... Yep. That's, that's, he just put it on it like a, like a moped, like a dirt bike, and ran it. Wow. Through the woods. Yeah, like a BMX. And, like, and it actually <laughs> went into Bruce Campbell's mouth and broke his tooth. No kidding. That's, yeah. No, that's how great that movie is. Wow. So it, it's uh, Evil Dead's a classic. I love, and it, this is a great sleepover movie. Like, after you've watched The Ring or a really scary movie, the thing... I think when you're with your friends and it's at like 11.30 at night or 12.15, like that, that sort of 1 to 3 a.m. movie, mm-hmm. you can't beat Pieces. Pieces oh. is like a perfect chainsaw slasher movie. And it's interesting watching it now. It's from 19, uh, 1981 or 1982. Uh, Juan Piquer Simon, the director, he's a Spanish director, 
But the producer, Steve Manazian, was from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So there are all these, like, <laughs> random Massachusetts town, like Natick and, let's say, like, Dedham ambulances. I was like, why are there Danvers? Like, they're very strange, subtle references to Massachusetts. <laughs> um, and it's, it's such a fun movie. Like, it doesn't stop. The kills are amazing. Yes. And if you look back now, the director, Juan Piquer Simone, um, was a oh, very openly gay Spanish director. Mm-hmm. So, he, I mean, he must have been in his 50s when he made the movie. And it starts Edward, Edmund Purdom, who was like a heartthrob back in the day, but now he's like 55 <laughs> with dyed black hair, starring in like bad Spanish horror movies. <laughs> um, but there's such great characters. There's so many hot girls, but clearly this guy, you can tell this the director, <laughs> has all these issues with women because he's growing up like in... Spain in the you know the forties and fifties. It's like it's like a very very Catholic society. So the chainsaw killer, like there's a there's a there's a jigsaw at the beginning with a crotch missing, and there's yes. scene where the killer holds the chainsaw like a dick, like slowly walking in shadow. It's very funny to watch the movie in a strange and meta way, um, <laughs> thinking that this was made by a gay director and like whatever repressed anger he has against women. And the final pretty- the final scene in that is amazing too. The final scene's amazing, and I actually watched that with Quentin when we were shooting in Glorious Bastards, and his friend had a whole, his friend Ada, who uh, was incredibly smart, had a whole theory about that, you know, about about the movie being about these discarded pieces of women getting revenge. I don't know. I don't want to ruin it. It's it's great. It has has one of the best, most shocking, amazing, and truly inexplicable last shots in horror movie history. Yes, I, I, it, I agree. It's I, I rem- I've, I just I, they came on a DVD about five or six years ago, or a re-release of it or something. I watched it again. Grindhouse, and it, yeah, it grind us. It does hold up, and that end shot, much like the original Sleepaway Camp, it's just like what the hell is going on? It's crazy. Original, yeah, Sleepaway Camp is amazing. I like Sleepaway Camp is one of my favorite movies, slasher movies of the eighties. It's like it's great. It's a great body count by the numbers. Mm-hmm. with the last five minutes and then that last I love those movies that can really pull off the last shot whereas in a film like April Fool's Day I've tried to give it a chance but it, I, I know it falls apart in the last five minutes but it sort of does it in an unforgivable way it, it makes you kind of not like the movie you're like eh, yeah the, la- the last the last couple minutes of that just takes you right out of the, the game twist, you're like what right eh, yeah it, it's just sort of like oh come on it, it makes you get, like leaves the bad taste in your mouth but then like pieces and sleepaway camp and certainly saw did that the first saw one and two absolutely but the end was so good you're like oh anything else in the movie you could you know that, that you might have not liked or whatever it's like all is forgiven because twist got you yes it's great when you really get get got like that i gotta say the first time i saw blair witch and paranormal activity i was legitimately terrified i agree with you on both i I remember now you go back and watch them they'll never have that i'm almost jealous of people that watch them for the first time but it's also like You've heard so much about them that I don't know how they could be scary because they've been overhyped to death. Well, do you remember when Blair Witch first came out? Like, when it first was came out, before all the pomp and circumstance, like, I remember reading about it online or in one of those, you know, upcoming preview movie magazines that people yeah. thought it was real. They were saying oh, yeah. this is real footage called yeah. from, you know, uh, wherever, New England or whatever. Yeah, nobody, nobody, um, you know, it's interesting with uh, Paranormal Activity, they didn't have the actors do any press until a week or two after the movie came out. Oh, really? Yeah, because people thought it was real. And then even with Last Exorcism, even though we didn't say it was real, we kept, we held back Ashley Bell. Um, like, I did the first week of press, but it was actually a strategic move 
to let the cast go out the second week because everybody, it's just almost to give everybody the impression of they didn't know them. They, 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 we don't want people watching them going, oh, yeah, I saw her on that talk show. It's much easier to get right. everybody wanted to talk to her after seeing the movie. Anyway, she's an amazing actress. But it was uh, it's part of the thing with those movies, with the docu-style movies, if you can keep the cast sort of unknown and hidden. But back, Blair Witch was the first movie that used the website to really promote it. Mm. People went on it, and it was just very, the Haxon website, which is, Haxon was the production company of those guys, and that's a great movie. Um, it's a Danish film, directed by Benjamin Christensen from 1931, also called Witchcraft Through the Ages. Mm-hmm. And there's some really, really cool, bizarre, uh, awesome, amazing imagery in that. If you love old, there are a lot of people that love old black and white silent movies, which obviously they move at a very different pace. Yeah, and you can they they they're in this almost like you're in this sleepy trance, watching you know it's a very different type of movie. But those films like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, mm-hmm. Carl Drager's Vampire, V A M P Y R is a really you know they they go it's so interesting because the cameras were so big and so heavy to move they set up these really 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 long elaborate very creepy very haunting shots and it's also fun to watch everyone from another time and how they dress and the mm-hmm. food and it actually gives us this otherworldly it's so far away from our time now that it gives us this great strange otherworldly otherworldly creepiness i love whenever someone can scare me in black and white like a racer <laughs> me i'm always even like doubly impressed well a lot about those movies too is it wasn't what you saw is what, what you didn't saw left it up to the, the theater of the imagination right yeah I know, and, and that can work both ways. You know, sometimes Blair Witch does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And other times you go to see, I remember, like, you go to see a slasher movie and the good stuff cut out. You know, uh, I'm going for that. And it's interesting, like, My Bloody Valentine was, My Bloody Valentine, the original, is great, great, great Canadian horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Music by Paul Zaza, who did the music for Prom Night. And it's uh, My Bloody Valentine, that original one, is a great slasher movie that keeps you guessing. But that was a movie, there was, I think, a, a violent like a, a Ronald Reagan assassination attempt uh-huh. happened and people started blaming movies for violence because the guy had watched, like, you know, he'd watched Taxi Driver. It's crazy. Like, right. somehow my bloody, there's a, an assassin, this is how crazy it was, an assassination attempt from the president, Paramount says, cut all the violence out of my bloody Valentine. So there's a whole scene with the drill press and that footage is lost. It's um, gone forever. It's gone forever. The director, they can't find it. It got destroyed. The negative, oh, wow. the actual negative is gone. All the stuff they they've tried to look for it a number of times. No one's ever found it. Um, but that my the original My Bloody Valentine is a fantastic holiday slash movie. I also love Mother's Day. Mother's That's Day, a great one. You know, like, direct and if you talk to Lloyd Kaufman, he will tell you that his brother Charles is the true talent of the Kaufman family. Also, um, his brother directed that. Yes, yeah, brother Charles Kaufman, and it's written by a playwright named Warren Light, who went on to write a lot of like you know kind of Obie Award and Tony Award winning nominated shows like you. Warren Light was like a very, very interesting writer where Dear God, like, went on to a long writing career. And that movie was very much their comment on society. Like, Mother's, it's interesting how, I, I talked to, I did a screening of Mother's Day with Charles Kaufman, and I said, if you look at the, the way he photographed, it's got like a Boogie Nights feel to it, it's 1980, and they have like a California party that was shot in the back of Lloyd Kaufman's parents' house um, <laughs> in Connecticut. But they, the way he introduced character like one of them the character is very very tightly constricted movement she's very dominated by her mother the other one she goes into her house and a man kind of puts his mouth around her and, and the focus is all on him and she's in the background to symbolize that she's very controlled by men and then the third one the camera's moving very wild because this girl and there's a roller skate that indicates that this girl's wild and free and i was like lloyd you you introduced character through camera movement you have wow very rigid and controlled 
one that's very wild and crazy, and one that's completely like marginalized by men, which is what happens to the characters in the movies. And he actually had tears in his eyes. He goes, in 30 years, you're the only person that's ever noticed that. He's like, that's exactly <laughs> what we did. And so if you realize that Mother's Day, and they made it for $150,000, Mother's Day and Friday the 13th, the original, were shot on the same lake. Across oh, from each other. Wow. At the same time. No kidding. Summer. Yeah. Oh, it's great. So, like, they would go, like, the rap party, like, Mother's Day and Friday the 13th, like, all the bar at rap, they were all hanging out together, both crews. And, <laughs> but, but Susan Kaufman, Lloyd's sister, did the art direction of Mother's Day. They filmed fake TV commercials that are playing in every TV in the house. And it's really about these two people that, like, it's, it's almost like the, the pop culture, all this garbage that's being pumped through pop culture. Uh, through television and commercials, it's overflowing. Like they are the sewer of pop culture and, mm. and kind of EST and these sort of cult wow. therapy things that were happening. Like when you watch the movie, and it's funny because I've heard Guillermo del Toro pontificate on Mother's Day too. Like it, it was, it's obviously very dismissed as like a crazy slasher movie, um, but there was a lot of thought put into it. And I always respect the movies that do that with a hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars budget. There's nothing, and it's very, it's a really brutal movie. Like, there's a rape scene that's like, where the mother's watching the kids rape her. And, like, you look now, and it's like, how the hell did they do it? Oh, I know. They got this, this actress, Beatrice Pond, who only shot for eight days. Like, she plays, uh, her credit is Rose Ross. All the actors, took, like Michael McCleary, takes her name Billy Ray McQuaid or Holden McGuire. Like, all the actors took fake names to avoid paying the union fees. Um, <laughs> but that's a movie that really, the Blu-ray came out. It really, really holds up. It's smart. It's well done. And that's a movie that's not going to scare you, but you can watch it over and over and over, and it still is like, it's great when just someone puts that kind of thought into it. Sure. And I also realized that Hostel 2, I totally structurally, without even realizing it, I completely structurally took Hostel 2 from, from Mother's Day. And there are these weird fades to red that I did in Cabin Fever. I forgot. I, was, I watched Mother's Day. I was like, oh. oh, my God. I didn't realize that Hostel 2, you're following the girls, and then suddenly you switch and you follow the guys who are the ones that are going to be torturing them. But you really kind of like them. So it makes you conflicted because you don't want to see them do that to the girls because you like everybody. Wow. And that's what happens in Mother's Day. You're watching these three girls. They're going on this trip. And then at a certain point, the narrative shifts. And it's all about these two guys. And you're watching this mother and her demented kids. And she's yelling at her kids. And it's, it's interesting how when you watch these things at 12 years old, you know, it's like the same obsessions that you have when you're a kid, like all the Guns N' Roses music, all the hockey, mm-hmm. all the wrestling. It gets, it finds its way into Fozzie, it finds its way into books. Yeah. It finds its way, you know, Blood Second Freaks, of course, with Ralph, it finds its way into, you know, <laughs> yeah. your wrestling career. Like all these little strange things, whether we intend them or not, you're like a sponge and it just kind of keeps oh. going through you. What's, uh, what's your favorite Lloyd Kaufman movie, your favorite trauma movie? You know, that first Toxic Avenger is, well, I mean, probably Mother's Day for sure, because that was a trauma production. But uh, I, I was really into Squeeze Play. I don't know why, like, when I was a kid, I loved that movie. <laughs> but the first Toxic Avenger, um, I just thought had the hot chicks. I loved the superhero. Class of Newcomb High was one of my favorites. Uh, Toxic Stupid. But that first Toxic Avenger was the one that, that really got me. Is, is, was Lloyd a little bit of an influence on you as a filmmaker in any way? Uh, Lloyd was a huge influence. I mean, I, I did the audio commentary on Blood Fucking Freak DVD for, I think, $15 in, quote, Subway Fair. <laughs> Um, because Lloyd couldn't even get the director, Joel Reed, to do it. And I was like, all I've basically done is study blood-sucking tricks. But I went through Yahoo People Finder. I mean, this was like 1996, 97. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just, there was no Facebook. You couldn't just track people down. And I found so many cast members and tracked them down at work and got them on the phone and just got these stories from like Niles McMaster, 
who, who plays <laughs> the quarterback, and Dan Fossey, who then came to the screening of Cabin Fever, who plays the detective, uh, who was working as an executive at Paramount, was totally mortified that I, you know, <laughs> tracked him down in the blood like a freak. So, <laughs> you just tracked him down and cold called them? I called his office, like Dan Fossey's office. I was like, who is this? Like, who is this? I was like, this is Eli Roth. I was like, no, I was like, wait, you can't say it's Dan Fossey. Like, you cannot connect. Like, do not say it's Dan Fossey. Don't say I work at Paramount. Don't say it's Dan play Detective Tucci. And I go, well, you were really great. He goes, we know I was doing my Columbo. I go, why was Detective Tucci reading Variety? He goes, it was ironic. We thought it was a satire. You know, we thought it was like, it was funny. Like, I, I thought I'd do, that's why. I was like, you look great in that trench coat. He goes, yeah, I was doing the Peter Falk. Like, he totally was that complimented him. And then I saw him later. And he's like an Amy Lee left parameter. He's an acting coach. And I, I, I was like, you were terribly, I was like, you terrified me on the phone for the first time that you laughing so hard. He was, yeah, I was, I was giving you a hard time. He goes, I, I loved it. He goes, I listened to your commentary. It was great. It really brought up a lot of fun memories. So, <laughs> so uh, overall, if you had to pick your, your top three uh, favorite horror movies, could you even do that? I mean, the ones that I go back to, it's weird how the favorite ones become like your pet. It, it doesn't make make them the best horror movies. Your favorite, it's got to be John Carpenter's The Thing. Right. You know, the John Carpenter's The Thing, The Shining, maybe, God, I don't know. That third one is so hard. That's the, that's the one that rotates. Like the two that are the constants, probably The Exorcist. Wow. The Exorcist just traumatized me as such a kid. And I watch that movie now, and it's such a complex film. It's such a masterpiece. There's so many great... That whole opening sequence of a rack is just so freaky and creepy and weird. And it's yeah. just, you know, I'm, here I am in in uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and I'm filming a show with Possession. I did my first kind of demon fight yesterday. And the whole time you're trying to not be conscious of the exorcist, but once the exorcist find it, you're like, how can you... That's what yeah. possession is to everybody. How can you not do it? And by the way, it's so fun to do that. So it's uh, here I am shooting a possession. So it's, of course, it's got to be the yeah. Well, that's one cool. Like you said, you you, you shot, shot a procession flick. You shot a, a a jungle cannibal flick because you're so much into Diodato movies. Yeah. And it, it's it's always cool when you can, uh, like you like you mentioned earlier, all these influences that we had as kids. They come out in your professional career as an artist now. Well, yeah, look at you. You know, you grew up on Appetite for Destruction and Killers, and now you have Fozzie blowing up and doing amazing. Like, that's, you know, you, yeah. you watch your favorite wrestlers, and now some other kid, you're their favorite wrestler. And that's the most exciting thing is that you're going, one day I want to do this. I want to do my version of it. I want to get to do do something in the tradition of what you love, but do your own, like, that, do your, your own, own spin. spin on it. That's right. That's, like, nothing more satisfying. It's the best. Well, Eli, I appreciate. It. I know you. I know you got to get back to set, man. But uh, I'm glad. It's always cool to talk to you. And uh, next time we're in town together, we got to hook up and, and find some new uh, J horror movies or some new Fulci movies oh, or dude, something. I'm actually doing something on Vine. I, I'd love to plug that. I think you'll really enjoy. Um, I'm I'm doing a contest called Six Second Scare. If you search the hashtag on Twitter or on Vine, mm-hmm. basically, I I got the judges. I got Tarantino. Elijah Wood, Rob Lowe, Kid Cuddy, and Vanessa Hudgens, and myself. All six of us are judging. It's, like, it's called 666. Six, 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 six seconds, six judges, there's six prizes. And the winner, whoever wins it, I'm going to develop an idea with them. And this company, Davis Entertainment, that did Predator and the new Frankenstein. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, but like the scares are amazing. Here's the thing. Anyone in the world can do it. Six seconds. You can shoot it on your phone. You don't get extra points for it being you know, expensive or not. It's just the most clever idea wins. We've got over a thousand submissions, and some of them are so good. If you search the tags, I've been rebinding and retweeting them. If you look on hashtag six seconds care, anyone can enter as many times as you want. It costs nothing. So we just wanted to do a contest that basically 
If you're 15 years old and you have a phone and want to shoot something creepy in your house, Tarantino's going to see it. All the, all the judges are watching them, and everybody's really impressed. And, so and we're going to announce Twitter on Halloween. You sent me one uh, just yesterday that was unbelievable, the, the people making out in the bed. Yep, that was I know. It was incredible. I, I thought that was something Argentina. that you had done. No, that some kid in Argentina did that. Oh, my That's gosh. It was amazing. Fun. It was amazing. I I'm telling you, dude, look up Six Seconds Scare. They're, they're, they're really, <laughs> really great. So that, you know, the contest is open until Halloween, and anyone can enter as many times as they want. It's All right. It's fun that, like, globally everyone can get into, and it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Even, even people with no money, some 17-year-old girls in her house making some really, really creepy stuff. Well, check that out for sure, and uh, anyone can enter. So, uh, and Eli, like I said, man, one of my favorite people, and, and uh, congratulations on all your success, and hope we get a chance to uh, hang out face-to-face again soon. Yeah, dude, let's do it. I'll see you soon, man. All right, dude, take care. I'll buy you a pumpkin I'm, beer. <laughs> Cold pumpkin beer. <laughs> see you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This this is Talk is Jericho. Here with me in the studio right now, one of the most important filmmakers of the last 40 years, Lloyd Kaufman, the creator of The Toxic Avenger and so many other amazing characters. How are you doing, sir? It's good to have you here. Well, thank you, Chris. And of course, you are a Renaissance man worshipped in Tromaville by The Toxic Avenger, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, and many, many others. Well, here is a funny story. Uh, I wrote about this in, in my second book. I know you write books, too. But the very first day I signed with the WWE, with Vince McMahon's company, I go to Stamford up in Connecticut. I have a, a meeting with Vince in his office at the Titan Towers, it's called. I go in there. I've, I've never met him face-to-face. He's like, Chris, Chris Jericho, Vince McMahon, nice to meet you. The first thing he says, he opens his desk, and he pulls out this script for uh, Toxic Avenger 4, Citizen Toxie. And there's a part in there where Toxie, I guess he's going through time, yes. and ends up in the middle of a wrestling match. And for some reason, somehow, at some point, it was Chris Jericho in the match. He goes, look at this. You just got to the company, and they already want you in the movies. And he threw that. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, of course, I never heard anything about it again. But that, that's, that's, that's the magical trauma competence. <laughs> we are totally but that was my first meeting and conversation with Victor Man was about Toxic Avenger 4. <laughs> wow. So ever since then, I mean, Toxic, Toxie and me have always... Well, uh, Citizen Toxie is the best one. That is the best of the four Toxies. Well, I mean, it, and they're all... I mean, what an iconic character. And we'll talk about the creation of the Toxic Avenger that everybody knows. Uh, but it's, it's so great to have you here. You just got into Los Angeles from, from New York City. You've got your lovely wife with you uh, here. Because uh, the American Cinematheque giving you 40 years of Lloyd Kaufman, uh, kind of a celebration of you and all, all the work that you've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how does that feel? Well, you know, it's all they heard I was going to be on your podcast, Chris Jericho. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they just stuck they, it together. They, 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 they piggybacked that's them. That's right. They did, indeed. <laughs> and uh, what can you say? Uh, the Museum of Modern Art, actually, in New York, premiered Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1, in mm-hmm. their Contenders, Contenders series, which is, in their words, the best movies from around 
around the world. And it, it, it had David Lynch's movie, The Coen Brothers, Sofia Coppola, uh, Woody Allen, and uh, Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman. Sort of like Tiffany's uh, next to a crack house. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, isn't it interesting, though? I mean, after all these years, I mean, all the, the, the trials and tribulations you've been through with trauma, now you are, 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 and you have been for a while to a certain segment, but like you said, the official critics, the, 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 the people that are kind of like dealing with the biggest filmmakers in the world are now including you in their ranks. I mean, you're now finally, you know, you, you finally become uh, accepted by the masses almost. Well, as uh, Woody Allen says, uh, success is 88% just uh, sticking around. Uh. <laughs> I'm the herpes of the movie industry. I'm not going away, Chris. Not going away. Well, I mean, away. Lloyd, let, 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 your journey to, to get to that place, I mean, so many uh, movies that, that have left, uh, you know, uh, a mark on people from Toxic Adventure, and you're talking about Return of Newcomb High, which is another one, a, new, a class of Newcomb High, now it's Return of Newcomb High Volume 1, which is the sequel, and now playing in theaters, and you're doing Q&As for that. People are showing up. To, you've become kind of like a, the uh, the official kind of figurehead for, I guess I don't even know if it's B-movies, but able to make good movies on smaller budgets. Kind of the underground, uh, yes. independent auteur uh, cinema. That's right. I mean, how did you start to do this? I mean, I know it's been 40 years now that you've had trauma. How did you get into the film business in the first place uh, and be able to kind of uh, perfect this model? Well, I tried to wrestle, but uh, <laughs> I... I wasn't very good at that, so uh, I had to go to Yale University, and uh, <laughs> I got roomed with a movie nut just by kismet. I was going to uh, be a teacher or a social worker, mm -hmm. make the world a better place, right? teach people with hooks for hands how to finger paint, stuff like that. And uh, But I got roomed with this uh, movie nut who was the Yale Film Society boss. He was head of the Yale Film Society. I'd drift in to see movies, and I kept getting blown away. But holy cow, look at that movie by John Ford. Frank Capra, Stan Brakhage. Who is the greatest? It was the greatest living. Uh, he's dead now, but the greatest visual artist of my lifetime. And I just kept getting knocked out. And then finally, finally after uh, Acid, I, uh, which I also that's about all I learned at Yale. Acid and Marvel Comics, Marvel Comics, which kind of go hand in hand. Yep. Especially yeah, I, from the I 70s. never read comic books, and I, um, uh, the guy down the hall from me had uh, Marvel comics, and I, I searched out Stan Lee, and he and I have been buddies for forty years. Yeah, I was going to say you guys are kind of for in more the than same, 40, 50 years from say. the same area of the country and almost the same we age. Wrote a, uh, he's ninety two. <laughs> oh, is he really? Like, now we are going to wrestle. I'm going to win. <laughs> You've got a good voice, by the way. Oh, well, well, thank you very much. Uh, I don't mean radio, but I mean singing too. Oh, thank yeah, you. You are thank a you, so it's, man. Okay. Well, I mean, just body. the same as you, just kind of following the dream and. and and not listening to any people that tell you you can't do something. Because I'm sure when you started first uh, wanting to get into filmmaking, a lot of people are like, oh, come on, Lloyd. Exactly. Give me a break. Indeed. And they're still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Just read the reviews. <laughs> Although the New York Times gave uh, 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 Return to Newcomb High volume one. Volume two, we are still filming. But okay, volume this one. Volume one. Well, uh, what was the first uh, movie that you ever made? The first movie I ever made was a, um, a 16 millimeter made shot with a Bolex, The Girl Who Returned, black and white. And uh, Bolex doesn't allow you to do sync sound, so you mm -hmm. have to lay the uh, narration, music, and sound effects. Oh. It, it doesn't have a sync pulse. So uh, <laughs> I made a very boring movie. But we sent it, it was a feature length film, and we sent it around to Harvard and, and the Ivy League mainly. It was kind of a novelty because it was a student made feature movie in 1968. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned that no matter how bad a movie is, Chris, people will not ask for their money back for the most part. <laughs> 
And I also, I also had a, a poster that went around <laughs> that they put up on campus, which had a non-male uh, lying on her back. Uh, it, it was a, it was a non-male. A, it was about that. Well, very politically correct. <laughs> that's very well done. As are you, and um, and uh, she's lying on her back with a, a big uh, heaving uh, bosoms, uh, love pillows, in uh, oh. a small tight T-shirt. Also politically correct. A tight T-shirt had nothing to do with uh, with erotic. It had to do with athletics. Mm. But because she was exhausted and lying on the ground, it, it breathing heavy. Anyway, we had a pretty good crowd when so it played at came. Yale, and uh, they did not ask for their money back. Which <laughs> no, is they always did a not. Plus. They should have. <laughs> no, but, you. Uh, you you, but Michael Hers, who I met at Yale, uh-huh. uh, we decided we wanted to start a studio where we could make movies uh, on, uh, with nobody telling us what to do. The auteur theory, the French uh, auteur theory mm-hmm. of filmmaking, where the director is the the soul of the director guides the movies, mm-hmm. and um, and we hoped that if we established it, we could get uh, uh, we could empower other uh, directors. And we've been able to, you know, the South Park guys' first movie, well, uh, yes, uh, Cannibal the Musical. Um, that was pre South Park as yep. well. It was yeah, like we their, almost their first of, uh, big break. And the guy who wrote Tromeo and Juliet, which is going to be shown at the uh, Cinematheque tomorrow night, mm-hmm. uh, James Gunn, he is currently directing and writing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. A big t- wow. Yeah. Well, and there's there's a whole bunch of people that were kind of discovered. We talked about uh, about Matt Stone and Trey Parker, their first film. I mean, also Samuel Jackson. He's in Def D E F by Temptation. I didn't direct it, so you know it's good. <laughs> and um, and that's Def, like you know, like yeah, yo yo. That's Def, right. Yo. Yes. Wow. So he was. That yeah. was his first movie. Was a trauma movie. Yeah, and we were ahead of the curve, uh, as we always are. Movies of the future. Uh, we we um, Death by Temptation came out a little ahead of the uh, the black filmmaking movement. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, it, uh, the video stores wouldn't take it because they were worried that those people would hang around their stores. Really, it did very well in movie theaters. Because if the theater has a problem, they just kick the print out and send it home. But with the with the videotapes, the uh, uh-huh. the stores had to buy, you know they have to buy the videotapes, right? And it's an investment. And it it, it was there was still a tremendous amount of uh, prejudice until Boys with the Hood came along, and then uh, well, that was a big hit. And then so suddenly, you're talking about the mid, the mid '80s or so. Yeah, yeah uh, really? late '80s. Late oh, okay, 80s. wow, yeah, wow. Yeah, it shows you. Do you know that Samuel L. Jackson actually is the leader in box office totals? More yeah, he's huge. Yeah, See, there you go. He's yeah. got the most most box office total ever. So, you know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. from the Matrix That's movies right. and the Star Wars movies. And, of course, uh, what was it called? Def was the movie? Def by Temptation. Def by, by Temptation. And the guy who directed it, James Bond III, wrote it, directed it. And uh, it's a wonderful film. Najid, music, the music is terrific. Charles Huggins uh, put all the music together. And his wife, Melba Moore, had a, a featured role. Uh, Kadeem Hardison from the oh, TV yeah. show was Different in World. Yep. Okay, so and then so what about Vincent Donofrio? He's in the first Turn On. He played a character called Lobotomy. He was interesting because he showed up as an actor person. We don't call extras extras. Mm-hmm. Everyone's equal on a trauma set. Good. Nobody right. should be carrying anybody's suitcases. We're all except for yours. No, no, oh, no, okay, no. I don't. Right. <laughs> I don't even have a suitcase. <laughs> I live in your a plastic refri- bag, a refrigerator carton. Yeah, that's right. You've Perfect. got one of those sticks with a kerchief on the. <laughs> Exactly. Tied on it. Exactly. So he played. Uh, he played. He played lobotomy. A lobot- He got every day. He'd show up as a, what you would call an extra, uh, and he an was, actor person. He would always do something terrific, and and so his part. We started giving him more stuff, and he ended up with a featured role called Lobotomy, in the first turn on uh, nineteen eighty three. Wow. I it was right after the Toxic Avenger. No, it was before the Toxic Avenger. Sorry, it was before the Toxic Avenger. And uh, now Vincent D'Onofrio acts. Uh, he's on those big TV shows, acting as yeah. if he's as if he's had a lobotomy. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Private Pile from <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. Now, yeah, that's true. With Full Metal Jacket, that was great. He was great. That's was right. Now, and here's another one, Blue another famous, and this is actually an Oscar-winning actor that started with Troma, Kevin Costner. Well, he he's in Sizzle Beach, USA. I did not direct that. Uh, that was another producer. We own the movie. It's a Troma movie. It's a Troma movie, right. and I think I think uh, uh, that it is Sizzle Beach, USA is probably Kevin Costner's best acting. Uh, for Should sure. be. I think it's generally agreed. Uh, Sizzle Beach. What, what state is that in? Sizzle Beach, USA. It's uh, West Coast. I'd like to go there on vacation and sometime. It's, it's before uh, Silicon, so the uh, the. Um, so it's natural Sizzle it's, Beach. It's uh, natural. Yes. Oh, very nice. All natural. So we I mean, were talking about all the other. Fam- <laughs> not only Lloyd, you've kind of are the center of the entertainment universe when you really start uh, d- digging down into your past. Not only did you start the careers of the South Park guys and Jackson and Costner and Don Frio, you actually uh, went to Yale with Oliver Stone. We grew up together. We met in second grade. Really? Enough. Yeah. And uh, wow. parents were very tight. He was uh, writing, and then he went to Yale. I went to Yale. Mm-hmm. And he was writing, he was trying to be James Joyce. Mm-hmm. And I was movie nut. And uh, he hung around, make, uh, his book, he was writing a novel. And it, su- it was awful, sucked. <laughs> and then he hung around the movies. And then he started, uh, he worked on Battle of Love's Return, one of my, the first movie I had in a the movie theater. Oh, okay, and then you he worked on it as a as, as a writer, just helping out, helping okay. out, no, helping just out, and he's general. in it. He's in it too. Oh, he, had a, a, a oh, he actually was an actor in it. Well, he, whoever he was available. My father's in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, come here, be in the exactly. movie, right? <laughs> uh, but um, and then Sugar Cookies with Mary Warrenov and uh, Lynn Lowry. He was the associate producer on that, and then he went off. Turned out he was a genius for movie making. So, so he got in. He got in through because I brought him in. He, I don't think he would have had that idea. He would have been ma- or still writing this crappy. Do, Book. Do you still do you still talk to him? No, he dropped me. <laughs> Will he take your calls? He dropped me immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch, Oliver Stone. If you're listening to this, you better pick up the phone yes. and call your old pal Lloyd Kaufman. Stop rewriting history. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. Stop making up lies about Jim Morrison's life. Now, <laughs> okay, so so and then also, I mean, I keep I'm name dropping here. Huge. You're not saying a word because you're a very uh, you're a very uh, humble guy. George Bush, another guy that you went to school with in Yale. Uh, w. Uh, w. W. Yeah. W. Junior. Uh, he, um, freshman year, uh, was running around campus looking for weapons of mass destruction. Bush, I never understood what that was all about, <laughs> but someday we will discover. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, so, so obviously he came from a very uh, famed class. I mean, Stone, Bush, and Kaufman. <laughs> Go together Just for a sickle finger of fate. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> now, like I said, I mean, I've known about you and known about your movies for years, and it sounds like I'm reading facts off a page, but I am because I did some research and found out all these amazing Thank things you. I never knew about you. Also, that you worked on Rocky, the original Rocky Sylvester Stallone classic. You, you were indeed you. Uh, did you edit it or did you? No, did, no, no. What were you doing? Uh, what did I, you do? Um, they didn't have. Uh, I had worked with John Avelson on Cry Uncle, which mm-hmm. is uh, one of his early movies. It's a trauma release, Cry Uncle with Alan Garfield. It's terrific. Paul Sorvino's first movie. Then Avelson got the gig to do Rocky, but the producers didn't have enough money to film it on location, which Avelson mm. and Stallone wanted. It's In written, Philly? It's written for Philadelphia. That's right, yeah. So they hired uh, us, a non-union group, to set it up and uh, 
film it. Well, uh, to do all the pre-production? No, to all shoot the- all the Philadelphia scenes. They oh. used the cry-uncle team, Avelson's cry-uncle team. Wow. And um, and uh, all non-union and uh, for, for about eight days. And all that stuff of uh, uh, you know running up the stairs. Steps and of the spectrum. The, all and- the great scenes. Imagine if Rocky didn't have those scenes. Yeah, no, right? that, that, that is yeah. the best scene, jumping yeah. up and down on the steps with the people falling Absolutely. In. You filmed that. Uh, I, no, I didn't. We, but the your company. Cry-uncle, the cry-uncle people did. Right. And, and I was the uh, pre-production supervisor, which was basically line producer or production manager. And um, the Teamsters found us, I think, on the eighth day. And uh, then uh, the producers wow. and everybody went back to L.A., but they already had all that stuff in it. I had to stay in New York, of course, and get my legs broken. But other than that... <laughs> you were the friend. sacrificial and, lamb. And the dailies, the dailies, <laughs> Michael Hers, my partner, my partner, Michael Hers and his wife, were, were syncing up the dailies on our 50-year-old upright moviola machines. Wow. Uh, and then sending them to Philadelphia for the stuff we were shooting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were hearing, yo, yo, and they were like, what the heck is this? <laughs> but my, my mother-in-law had read the script, had read Rocky, and she knew. She said, this will be the next Marty. Really? And boy, was she right. Did you guys know it at the time? Or was it was it kind of a low-budget film? Well, John Avelson, I believed in. from I met him uh, on Joe, which mm-hmm. is... Every film he's done is... He's mm-hmm. a great American director and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, Therese. In fact, we, uh, we found my home movies of Rocky. I don't remember shooting them. But that you filmed? I filmed Super 8. Uh, or 8mm uh-huh. behind the scenes of, uh, uh, and I've got uh, Rocky running up the stairs and, and what camera we used Wow! and uh, and then uh, the uh, Steadicam which was the first time this and Matt Mangerides from Troma who yeah, uh, wanders set, around our up. basement the Troma building basement at night he found these 8mm films so Avelson cut them together he edited them down cut them together to about 8 minutes and then he and I wrote a little script a commentary script All right. and, uh, and you see Burgess Meredith, you see how we're wetting the streets. You kind of see how we made this movie. It's like we do a trauma movie today. Yeah. Avelson had to do a driving scene. Uh, he has Sylvester Stallone actually driving the car, which uh-huh. you never do today. Avelson's tied with ropes to the front of the car, filming while, it, filming it while wow. the car is moving, and we're all uh, hanging onto it like like that's you know, amazing. Like, uh, those uh, slapstick police, yeah, yeah, Keystone yeah. cops. Yeah, that's right. And it's and it's on the new Rocky. Uh, the, complete Rocky Blu-ray. There's a, an edition of all the Rockies, and it's on the, the stuff that Avelson and I narrate. We, we you just happened this. to find it in your basement. Unbelievable, yeah. And uh, and Avelson edited, and then we uh, we did the commentary, uh, he and I. Wow. And it's on that uh, blue, Blu-ray. That's See, pretty amazing. That is, that is amazing. That's yeah. like finding uh, footage finding, from Gone with the Wind or absolutely. something. Absolutely. Right? I mean, Rocky's a legitimate American you know, the, classic. The Toxic Avenger is kind of a classic, but Rocky is but like the, the super... It's on a different level. Yeah, it's the yeah. Taj Mahal or right? <laughs> yeah. the Sistine Chapel. And, and then even better was that you were actually in Rocky and you played the drunk. I did. I did play the drunk and I... Method acting. I was Well, actually, I was very young and I did get drunk just to try to... Just to fit, fit the spirit of and it. And uh, actually, I wasn't a very good drunk drunk. And Avelson showed me. He, he did it for me, how to, how to be a drunk. Oh, not to overemphasize he, or well, like... No, he actually, you know, kind of did, uh, acted, uh, he acted it out the way I should do it. <laughs> and uh, and he was, he's, a good, he's a good actor. Wasn't the scene like, were you like in a, in a back alley and Rocky walks past and gives you like a, a, a quarter? No, he, I'm asleep in the gutter. That's which, right. Uh, that I am good at. I've broken up many times <laughs> sure, in a puddle of, of my own vomit. <laughs> and he, uh, no, uh, uh, Stallone picks me up out of the gutter. Carries me into the bar and sits sits me next to another bum. And that was you. That was I. And See? and and the uh, the 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 interior 
director of that scene was shot in California. Oh. So I had to get out to California if I wanted to be in the rest of the scene. Your part. So I, you know, being a ham, I paid my way out to get that those extra three seconds in the movie. <laughs> By the way, I'm in Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn, really? Uh, he did not drop me, unlike uh, he did, others. He did, so he still talks to you. Oh yeah, he put me in all. He's put me in in a Super, in a Slither, and now Guardians of the Galaxy. Does Stallone ever talk to you? He I, he, I don't think he would take my call, but he um, he did set the trauma time. I was in Rocky Five, and and I really? I gave him a trauma times, and he lit it on fire. The trauma it's our little in house oh, newspaper. Oh wow! So I think so he, you've I been think in, he remembered me. You've been in two of the five Rockies. Well, I got cut out of. Uh, according to Avelson, Stallone wanted me cut out. Okay. Uh, I was my acting was just too good. Well, but I'm in point. the credits. I'm in the credits. Well, so yeah. you've been in the credits of two out of five Rocky movies. Yeah. that's yeah. more than Mr. T. <laughs> right? That's not bad. That's not yeah, bad. That's so, I mean, how did you start Troma? What was your concept of, 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 of this new studio? And what was your kind of your mission statement when you started it? The idea was to make movies we, that came from the heart that Michael Hers and I believed in. And uh, the, um, the Paris, the, the uh, Pascal uh, the Paris, uh, the bet, mm -hmm. was that we would uh, keep the budget low. The compromise was we'd have to work on a low budget and learn how to get a lot of production value on screen. And we'd have to compete with uh, Paramount and MGM mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all that. And, uh, so you wanted to start out kind of as a major studio, but making kind of lower budget films. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to have uh, artistic freedom and not be bossed around. And uh, um, I bought into the French auteur theory of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. the, I speak French, so I had read it, the Cahiers de Cinema, which was the magazine of the Cinémathèque Française which propounded, it was written by Godard and uh, Melville and oh. Chopin and they were journalists, uh, this was in the late 60s, mm -hmm. and uh, they hadn't made them, they were just getting into making movies, but they were writing about it, and they propounded the auteur theory of cinema, which I bought into. Okay. And then I took acid one night, and I decided that I would stay in New York and work for a tiny little... Uh, private company, a, a little independent company, rather than I had another job offer in L.A. on the Owl and the Pussycat, starring uh, that was a big Barbara movie. Streisand, yeah, yeah that's big right. Columbia Picture thing. That's right. But I chose uh, the crappy little company in New York, and that's where I met John G. Avelson, who at the time was uh, finishing uh, one of his little mm -hmm. movies, and that led to Joe, which was a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. Peter Boyle and Susan yes. uh, Sarandon. construction and, worker goes crazy yep, or whatever yep, it was. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, 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 yeah that's yeah. a great, that movie holds up very well. Written by Norman Wexler, who wrote Saturday Night Fever also. Okay. So in the 70s, you're, you're like, to me, the first trauma movie that I heard about, especially being, I think I was 14 at the time, was Toxic Avenger. Because I was a, a big a fan of of horror movies, kind of BC horror movies. Uh, and then uh, everyone was talking about the Toxic Avenger. Yes, the Toxic Avenger. Was that kind of the, the first really uh, big movie that Troma did? Well, we did a movie called Squeeze Play in 76 uh, or so. It was after after I worked on Rocky. It was mm -hmm. about a non-male softball team. Non-male, politically we, correct. We don't say uh, woman. It has mm. the word man in it. We don't say girl. That's terrible, as you know. That's oh, awful. Don't say Vince girl. McMahon would never dame. say that. Dame? You don't want to say dame? Well, there is nothing like a dame. I think if Richard Rogers and Hammerstein write that, it's probably <laughs> acceptable. Look at the gams on that dame. Exactly. And dame uh, dame Philomena. <laughs> 
that, course. Yeah, all that Dame Judith Dench. There you are. Yes, it's flows royal. Off, flows tripping, right. trippingly off the tongue. We say gyno. Gyno American. Gyno, gyno <laughs> Australian. In fact, you might know some gyno wrestlers. Uh, there are some gyno wrestlers. Wow. Uh, very politically correct. You guys are adding uh, slang to the American lexicon. Well, we um, we believe in the correctness, as you can tell by our movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Come. So Squeeze Play, you started uh, that. It's, the theme was the um, uh, all of our movies have political themes. This one was women's liberation. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the um, oops, I said women. The gynos want to start their own softball team because their husbands and significant others are all out in the weekends and they uh, playing softball and they non-males start their own softball team and uh, it's a raunchy it came out a little ahead of the uh, porkies uh, yeah because that was the big trend in the early we, 80s we, we got the, the there ahead comics. of time we did uh, waitress uh, we did squeeze play mm-hmm. waitress uh, and the first uh, stuck on you which was about palimony i remember those yeah stuck on you and then the first turn on and uh, then uh, the majors uh, started moving into our turf Right. Uh, with movies like Porky's and, and Porky's and, and Screwballs and, and Hot Moves, even and bigger ones, yeah, even Fast Times. But they were high not, and uh, they were playing unfair because they had good actors so and good you, scripts, and that's that's not, not that's right. Not, that's not that's right. not right. No. That's not right. So, so that's when we moved into uh, Toxic Avenger. Kind of doing the horror. We're going to talk about Lloyd's possibly greatest creation, Toxic Avenger, Toxie, and we're having an amazing conversation with one of the greatest filmmakers of the last forty years. We're back with more talk as Jericho, but first we're going to check in with our sexy beast sponsors. And we'll be back with more Lloyd right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello! It's so good to see you! With my one good Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. I'm here with Lloyd Kaufman. And those are great sponsors. I use every, I, that's, they are the right? best. Let me tell you, they are amazing. I mean, Trauma, all, of them. all the fans of Trauma and Toxic Avenger, those, and that, they, and the they thing, love those sponsors. And, and I appreciate it. And that's every single one of them near and dear to our hearts. And, just and like, and this sure, is, here's a segue sure. for you, just like Toxie, one of the greatest uh, creations in film, a horror movie uh, history. Tell us about how the whole uh, nucleus of, of the Toxic Avenger Well, started. first of all, I have an exclusive news item for you, Chris. Exclusive? It's very exclusive. You're hearing it here first. Yes, you're okay. hearing it. Absolutely. This just came in. We're writing <laughs> the Toxic Avenger Part 5, the Toxic Twins. Uh, so, it's been a while since there yeah, was a... a, yeah. a, a I mean, you ca- this will be number five. It was 15 years ago that number four By came By the out. way, Toxie did encounter a sumo wrestler in Japan on Toxic Avenger Part 2, Toxie Goes to Japan. Mm. He actually did have a match against a... Oh, that's a sumo, sumo match. Yeah, okay. sumo. Okay. Sumo. Well, let's talk Very about the, the Toxic Avenger. What, sure. what, 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 is this a script that came across your desk, or did you say, we need to have a, a superhero that's been melted by radioactive well, nuclear no, waste? Well, um, First of all, we had to get out of the uh, raunchy comedy, Animal House type stuff. Yes, because the big studios were killing you. Yeah, they were coming in, and uh, we hadn't. There was no room left to run. Mm-hmm. Sucked up all the oxygen. So we thought, let's. Uh, there was a headline in Variety. I think it was. It may not have been for one of those rags yeah. saying horror film is commercially dead. No more horror films make money. 
So, okay, Michael Hers and I, that's our Hitler. We're going to do that. <laughs> and um, and uh, then my wife and I camp a lot. And we were camping, and there's all this detritus, uh, McDonald's plates and stuff in the wilderness. What's the detritus? detritus? Garbage? Uh, yeah, like uh, McDonald's. Non bi- in those days, it wasn't biodegradable. Oh, like styrofoam. Yeah, exactly. And um, and uh, the environment. Uh, I got. Uh, I used to read a lot of. I still do uh, offbeat the newsletters mm-hmm. from the underground. And they were talking about toxic waste dumps sticking away like time bombs all over the world. Mm-hmm. Children, children playing in uh, in dumps in Rio with uh, uh, pixie dust, pixie dust, which was radium from hospitals, X-ray wow. machines just thrown away. So here I thought, well, this will be an interesting uh, I, uh, the environment. Make that the theme. Yes. This was, of course, before Al Gore uh, invented the uh, internet, and I think <laughs> stole those uh, sure uh, stole the Nobel Peace Prize from the two <laughs> yeah. scientists who probably should have had it. That's right. Uh, this was 1982, Chris. Uh, and then uh, Frankenstein. I mean, I've written a uh, James Gunn and I have written a book called All I Need to Know About Filmmaking. I learned from the Toxic Avenger, which is all about it. And it and I, so I could bore you for an hour. But Frankenstein, I always wanted the monster to live. Mm-hmm. Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin, City Lights with the blind gyno. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, Toxie's uh, significant other is, is oops, non-seeing. Sorry, right. non-seeing uh, gyno. Uh, yeah. We're all politically correct. Yes, and, uh, thank you. Uh, and and uh, so there. There's all sorts of stuff that uh, Preston Sturgis uh, is a, uh, is a fa- he does a fond uh, satire of American villages mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the the town of Tromaville was kind of loosely based b- on that. modeled on his stuff and uh, and then uh, slapstick and so we combined uh, Toxie was a, a Cuisinart of the genre and people hadn't gone in that way so it was yeah, quite unique. It was a pioneering and, uh, film for it, sure. It, it, uh, the, the, no theater would play it. No theater would play it. And finally, one theater in Greenwich Village, owned by a French woman named Jackie Reynal, who was part of Warhol's uh, mm-hmm. uh, group. Circle, yeah. And uh, and I had hung out with them at, uh, when I when I was at Yale. I was a big admirer of Warhol, and and the group. And uh, she played it in her theater, Bleecker Street Cinema. And the it's next famous famous theater, it was. Bleecker yeah, Street, she yeah. got that it was satire. She was French, so mm-hmm. she got it. Oh. And uh, she was not your typical exhibitor here. Mm-hmm. Who, most of them don't even go to movies. Right. So so uh, except for Lemley. They are the best. Lemley in L.A., Lemley are the best. They watch the movies, and they love independent movies. Yeah. And um, uh, there was a line around the block at the Bleecker Street, and it went there for – it just took off. And, and uh, we ended up with about 2,000 screens playing the Toxic wow. Avenger. Yeah, it got that big. That's, it got huge. It blew up. I didn't know that. with no advertising. Because I discovered it on, on video when it came out, so I yes. didn't know that it was actually had such a theatrical it, release. It also, well, I think, it also was the first uh, kind of genre movie with horror, although ours is a comedy, mm-hmm. but it was the first movie of that ilk that went out and proved that uh, horror, horror yeah. could make a lot of money on home video. Because like you said, it was horror but comedy. Very yeah, heavy slapstick, yeah. but over-the-top you know, gore yeah. scenes and that sort of thing. Thing. And Toxie's very romantic, too. He's, Absolutely. Stan Lee says, uh, who I've written a script. Uh, you, are, you are younger than Stan Lee. We've, dis- we've discovered, yes, dis- yes. established that earlier. Yes, please okay. remember yes, that. Much, much lo- younger. He looks younger, damn 20, 30 years he, younger. He looks much younger, damn it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, he and I wrote a script called Night of the Witch, uh, which we had optioned. Uh, it's never been made, but it gets mm, every once in a while someone tries to make it. It's in, it's in the works. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if it's in the works. There is a guy in Finland now who's very, very <laughs> serious very about making it all right all right uh, but in any event uh, he um he said that the toxic avenger was a little bit like spider-man and clearly spider-man influenced toxie mm-hmm. uh, stan says that in the same way that spidey put a new face on the comic book hero 
Toxie put a new face on the movie superhero and mm. that he's his what makes him a hero is that he is not his superpowers because Toxie only has a mop and he can jump. That's it. Yeah, that's right. He, yeah. Maybe now he's going to wrestle <laughs> uh, at Supercon. But uh, but um, he has world, worldly problems, Chris. Right. Mm-hmm. He, his his uh, he's got to uh, take care of his mother. Yes. He can't keep a job. He's got skin problems and conquering the worldly uh, problems is mm-hmm. what makes Toxie makes him more a, human, such a, a great uh, superhero, well, superhuman. Well, Heroes, what was the the budget on Toxic Avenger? The original Toxie was four hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars. The budget for that, Return to Nukem High Volume One, was the same exact number. So basically, with inflation, we're making movies for about twenty percent now of, which of what we used to. to. Right, yeah. right, right. Now, how about the design of the Toxic Avenger? Did you spend a lot of time on that, or did you have the money to even spend time on that? Because it's an iconic looking. Uh, that's character. a great question. Actually, we had a makeup person, a makeup gyno named uh, Jennifer Aspinall, and I would tell her I want Toxie to be oozing and disgusting and uh, flesh hanging out and she'd send back these sketches of this cute guy with very nice teeth <laughs> <laughs> and finally we got we still she's still thinking superhero he's got to be a yeah, superhero yeah. right and finally I, I couldn't uh, we had to start shooting and mm-hmm. uh, so I went with her uh, her plans and uh, boy was she right <laughs> she, and, and she's now does uh, Metropolitan Opera and Saturday Night Live and uh, okay so and, uh, once she, again she was right Right. Another uh, another person who started with oh, trauma yeah, she, that went on to big, big things. She's very respected. Yeah. Did you think that um, the Toxic Avenger is going to take off the way that it did in such an iconic way? I, it sounds arrogant, but every movie that Michael Hurst and I have made, I really believe these are great movies. Mm-hmm. And in a fair world, did you see Crank? By any chance, or Gamer, or uh, uh, Crank? Yes, yeah, I Crank. Yes, yeah, I Crank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Neville Dean and Taylor are trauma fans. The two directors. Okay, and yeah. They, they say. That in a fair world, Poultry Guy's Night of the Chicken Dead, which I directed prior to uh, Return to Another huge hit. Uh, well, it was not a huge well, but, I mean, hit, it's well-known for trauma. It, it I shouldn't say huge a, hit, but a well-known trauma movie. did have a lot of chicks. Yeah. Poultry. See, Literally. I can say chicks. You can, because you're talking uh, about fowl. Chick, chicken. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're talking chicken about right, farm animals, really. That's, well, mm, that's a different <laughs> that's, part That's a whole other movie that we're talking about. That's that I don't talk <laughs> about. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, but but uh, he, they say in a fair world, Poultry Guy's Terra Firmer. Tromeo and Juliet should be huge hits. They're good movies. Yes. And, and unfortunately, we are independent. The industry has become very consolidated. So the, uh, the Rupert Murdochs of the world have these vertically integrated mega conglomerates, and they control the pathways to the public. Mm-hmm. And, and it is extremely difficult to get to, to get to the public. And luckily, Troma has a, a loyal fan base, small but very loyal and very aggressive. Well, because people know what to expect when you see the Troma name. On, on a film, I mean, you know, like I said, there's a certain there's a certain vibe that Troma has that no other studio has. Like we said, it's horror based, very over the top gore scenes, but funny slapstick. We talked about Terror Firmer. That that's probably one of my favorite Troma movies, if not my oh, favorite, thank you. with thank the you. ridiculous character known as Popo. Yes. <laughs> but well, <thank> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, there's just so many things in that movie that are just over the top, like just people getting splattered all over the place. And I mean, you know what you're gonna get when you when you go see a Troma film. And that's kind of I think one of the reasons why. I mean, like you said, you've done great business amongst a smaller fan base because that doesn't appeal to everybody. Well, no. It's Nor that, is it supposed to. Well, I think it does appeal to a wide audience. The problem is we can't get to the wide audience. From a distribution standpoint? Well, or? Toxic Avenger, fourth mm-hmm. Toxic of, Cannibal the Musical, which yeah. is Trey Parker's movie, has never played on American television. Wow. Not even wow. crappy Wow, cinema. really? Yes. We, we are... Uh, 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 
economically blacklisted because we are not uh, in league with the giant conglomerates. We're not, uh, uh, you know, we're not in with the uh, the elite. Yeah. So our movies don't. The real profit source is TV. Or right, right, especially nowadays. And and if you don't get on some kind of TV, which doesn't cost you anything to get on, right? It's just yeah. to give them a master. Yeah. You don't have to make a thousand, uh, hundred thousand video DVDs. Yeah, yeah DVDs or, or yeah. So so we we're we're excluded from that. We've never had a movie in Blockbuster. Uh, we have been economically blacklisted. It's only because Troma has this brand name appeal to our fan base mm-hmm. and to people like you, uh, Chris, but, that uh, we're still around. But why can't you get it on? Like, let's see, you mentioned like you know, Cinemax 5 or Showtime. I mean, there's so Ask much. Them. Ask them. The, They'd rather have crap made by Fox uh, Searchlight or crap made by uh, they're, they're yeah. the vassals of the. Uh, no, it was their independent movies are uh, come in through the vassals. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the Sony classics right, right, or the right. Fox Searchlights or whatever, you know. How, how about like with the advent of, of, uh, of forums like Netflix, let's say, could you could you try and go through them? The pattern is when the new technology comes comes in, they come to us with their hat in their hand. They say, oh, Troma, please, uh, the studios won't deal with us. We have this great new thing called Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us out. When we become rich and famous, we're loyal. We'll stay with you and you'll grow with us. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you know, we, Troma doesn't have a pot to be in. So we, we oh, okay, here you go. <laughs> and then as soon as they become big, get they don't take our calls, which is exactly what's going on with Netflix. Wow. They, they deal with, in order for our, we have a lot of movies on Netflix, mm-hmm. but they didn't talk to us. Well, they're just putting them on. No, they took them from some big company. So we had to go through uh, uh, some kind of aggregator and then another company. By the time, if there's any money, which I don't think there is anyway. Netflix never paid anybody any real money, I don't think. Uh, There's nothing left. So so um, it's uh, it's a tough. It's world amazing. Out you would there. think that somebody. I mean, we're talking and, and we're making you know having and some fun. By the way, and- may I predict? I predict. I just wrote an essay about net neutrality, the free, open, and democratic uh, internet. The last democratic mm-hmm. medium is the internet. Mm-hmm. If if Comcast and the, uh, the yeah. gang the gang get rid of net neutrality, you and I are in it's, serious it's trouble. It's becoming a monopoly for be, all these. Yeah, but uh, Netflix is supposed to be on the side of net neutrality. I guarantee you that that if net that that they're going to make a in fact i think they already have they'll make a sweetheart deal with the isps with comcast mm-hmm. they're going to turn on us they're going to close the gate they got in they they innovated they got in but they'll close the gate make a sweetheart deal so the innovators of the future the netflix of the mm-hmm. future who are going to disrupt things and make life better for consumers they won't be able to get in mm-hmm. and you and i will we'll be in a living yeah. under the highway yeah. we'll be taking bath salts <laughs> we- <laughs> i already am I, by the way uh, give me some man <laughs> i mean it, we're you know we're making having some fun but you know we're talking about all these people that came through the trauma doors and went on to big things i mean you're also talking about filmmakers like eli roth and guys like uh, quentin tarantino that have taken uh, robert rodriguez they've taken well, they're kind fans, of the, they're fans. the fans that's eli what I mean. is in our movies he's in some of them but yeah. that's what i mean you wouldn't wouldn't you think that like one of those guys would open some doors up to help you get into some of these tough. places i think yeah, i right. think the uh, the industry is a cartel it's very uh, it's a few big conglomerates and they control right. everything and so uh, how how do you um you know you still make in lots of movies you're we are uh, not lots but we well, do you still make, make movies. Um, we still make movies yes. you still make movies right yeah, yeah. so how do you get them out there then if you're not getting them on to you know, we're talking about the, the the cable stations or onto netflix is it still through old school dvd still through theatrical yeah. release are you how how do you do that we have we do dvd we do blu-ray the mm-hmm. blu-ray of uh, toxic avenger is is being made at this very minute right and blood sucking freaks which blood you guys 
Lucky Freaks, thanks to one Eli Roth, and you, and you, thank one you, of my Chris, favorites. for the amazing actually uh, my instruction. My uh, I had a sidekick about 15 years ago when I was working for Ted Turner's WCW. His name was Ralphus, and oh. I totally got that name <laughs> from Blood Sucking Freaks, the little uh, little yeah. midget, that crazy yeah. midget looks like uh, John Oates from Holland. Can't Hall say midget. Oh, sorry, oh, the crazy no. crazy height Just challenge person. That's it. <laughs> Stars is Stars. distributing okay. Return to Newcomb High. Okay. They're Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1. Uh, they are so that's good. That. That's, that's a, very good. That's, sure. So Suddenly some... it's all over the place because one, they are a big, powerful company. One of these days, probably like you know, 30 years from now, the day after you, you pass away, someone's going to make a huge deal for Troma with Netflix or oh, yeah. iTunes or something. That's and, exactly. And, and your grandkids are going to make millions. No, no it'll <laughs> And you'll make <laughs> <laughs> But the people who work at Troma, they, they say that all the time. They say the minute Lloyd Kaufman gets hit by a bus, suddenly everyone will say, oh, he was so talented. He was, he was <laughs> an right. innovator. and. That's and, right. And we, geez, it's amazing that you know, uh, Peter Jackson wouldn't be here. That's, well, you're right. I mean, <laughs> we were talking about, uh, you mentioned your budget, four, 450 grand for Toxic Avenger back in 1985 and 450 fa- uh, 50 grand for Return of Newcomb High, Volume 1, uh, being the same amount of money, 450. How do you make a movie for 450 grand in this day and age? What, is, what are some of the Lloyd Kaufman tricks? Well, the, our fans are very much uh, taking part in the making of the movie, so for this movie, Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1, we, uh, thanks to the New York State Film Commissioner mm-hmm. and the Buffalo State Film Commissioner, we got a funeral home that was vacant in uh, Niagara Falls, New York, and we had about 80 people sleeping on the floor and uh, learning how to defecate in a paper bag. They came from it's all over form. the world on their own dime, from Iceland, from Japan, from France, from England, from California, uh, all to make a movie they believed in with their hearts. They, mm. For the most part, everyone got paid at something, but nobody made any right. and and the same with the actors they were all uh, people who were dedicated they spent three months of their lives uh, rehearsing and and oh, uh, wow. preparing and uh, and it's fan driven at this so that saves us a so lot you, of money are you putting out like an opening ca- open casting call we do at Facebook the beginning or something yeah. or whatever come it, and be a part of the this legacy yep and when we announce something because Troma is famous for for being a stepping stone to mm-hmm. stardom or right. to being a director of photography or a director uh, there's a line makeup the artists block. all this yeah stuff. oh they yeah. start with us yeah yeah absolutely and uh, their first film almost everybody on on return to newcomb high was their first film and it's the best cast i've ever had it was terrific they're, mm. they're, they're great i mean the new york times gave this movie a good review which is of modern art as i mentioned right, right 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 but um it is very very hard and 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 you can make movies for a lot less uh, I don't know how to do it because the stuff I do has thousands of people in it and relies on uh, on the uh, practical effects. Mm-hmm. And, but right. we produced a movie uh, uh, called um, Father's Day uh, with some Canadian young Canadian directors. The entire budget was about twenty thousand dollars. Wow! And, and it's good. It's terrific. It's wonderful. Played here at the New Art. Oh, okay. And uh, played uh, again. We had it in uh, maybe we didn't have it in um, as many as Return to Newcomb High, but it's a it's a wonderful film. Those guys are. The next uh, uh, Trey wow. Parker and Matt Well, Stone. I guess it, it gives people experience of being on set, too, as well, if they're coming to work for you. and, and all Well, being things. on the Return to Newcomb yeah, yeah, it's I'm a sure, life sure, experience. Sure, sure. There are people got married. There are people getting married. There are people <laughs> Babies who, are born. I, I mean, really. Yeah. In fact, the, uh, with the original class of Newcomb High, uh, Robert uh, Pritchard and Jennifer Baptiste met on – no, they met on Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. They met on Toxic Avenger. He plays Bozo. She played Wanda. They got married. 
They've had children. And they've gotten divorced. It's a whole, it's a whole food <laughs> it's a chain. Whole it's like an evolutionary <laughs> chain. Do you it. ever? I mean, uh, you know, we talked about trauma having some amazingly just disgusting effects and just a very innovative way of people uh, meeting their demise. Do any of them stand up for you? Has there ever been one in your own movie that like, grossed you out? You're like, oh, that's too far even for me. No, because it's cartoon humor. It really. is cartoon. I mean, very slapstick. The full head crushing scene in the original Toxic Avenger has been talked about uh, very. Intellectually, it's been talked about goofily. It's mm-hmm. been uh, talked about as horror that people are horrified by it. But I mean, basically, it's a grand, grand guignol. It's uh, what the French did in the eighteen eighties. You know, it's Good just point. A yeah. goofy uh, kind of theatrical cartoon violence. Is there? It's Tom and Jerry, except that uh, yeah, it's a uh, live action. You know, it's Good point. It's it's celluloid, not cartoony. Trey and Matt have said it that uh, that uh, South Park cartoons are heavily traumatized. They're, trauma's there, <laughs> and you see it with the arm, Kenny's blood, yeah, and the sure. rats, Spur- rats eating his stuff. That's all spurting blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just a cartoon. It's a little less uh, uh, obnoxious. Is there uh, a certain uh, special effects team or, or person that you work with um, quite often? Uh, yes. Um, the uh, people who are, who are willing to um, suffer. <laughs> we, they're always new people and they're because we have no money. So uh, yeah, yeah, the people yeah. on uh, Return to Newcomb High um, were brilliant. In fact, one of them is directing a movie for us now called Mutant Blast, Fernando Ale. Mm-hmm. He uh, he made a movie. Can I say a bad word or is there, is there a censor? No, go, go well, for it. Uh, You're Lloyd Kaufman. You do what you want. Well, I can't uh, stop you. Uh, Fernando made a film that uh, my wife and I saw at the – a Spanish retrospective of trauma mm-hmm. in a festival. It was called Banana Motherfucker, and it was 20 minutes, and it is hilarious. It's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. We both were roaring with laughter. Anyway, he worked on Return to Newcomb High. Okay. Fernando, he's the nicest guy in the world, unbelievably talented. So he had a, a he, he wrote a script, which we all agreed upon mm-hmm. ahead of time, and he will be shooting that called Mutant Blast. Mutant Blast. And the, and the, the budget of that movie will be, I think, $25,000, and it was going to be crazy because it's not that big a risk yeah right yeah, we can right, do right. anything we want yes and he can get the production value that i cannot because he knows how to do the after effects and uh, sure, crazy sure. things what's what's your, two more questions for you lloyd sure. what, what's your favorite uh death in any one of your movies does one stand out for you boy i don't know uh i remember my father who was in battle of love's return there was a press conference and he they asked a newspaper uh, times uh-huh. asked him what uh, was his favorite part of the movie he said well i think my favorite part was when lloyd gets killed uh, <laughs> Because I played the main part. <laughs> that stands out. That's, I think, How did you get killed in it? A machine gun. Okay. Very so, okay. But I guess the toxic event, the full head crushing yeah. scene, the kid. I mean, it's a bicycle going one way, a car going the other. They hit. That is that is a hell of a stunt because yes. the, the, the physics of it, to go getting the car in one, the, the physics of mm-hmm. two directions. Sure. To, to actually move, film it, to moving, make it happen. Moving yeah. objects in opposite directions that hit each other. Yes. That's an amazing stunt with a bicycle rolling over the top of the car. And, yeah. and then the kid getting his head crushed. And then the car rolling over his head a second time. Uh, I <laughs> Just think, for the coup de grace. I think that's pretty pretty wild. Although Return to Newcomb High, I don't want to be a spoiler, but the very first scene in Return to Newcomb High is one of the craziest. Has some, some uh, good uh, uh, deaths you will uh, ever see, yes, involving, in a, trauma a, movie. Uh, involving and, a, a kind of a worm. Okay, well, of all the movies you've done, which is the one that that stands out as as your favorite? I know it's hard because they're all your children. Is there one that you go back to and think this this is the one I like? I I think the Return to Newcomb High. I think when you see 
volume one with volume two as a unit because you they 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 it's a continuous yes. story. I think that's going to be our real monumental movie. And uh, Tarantino uh, star, you know, it was his came out of his suggestion to do to that. do a sequel. Well, it's not a sequel. Or it's a kind a of a continuation, revisiting. Revisit, it's, revisitation. A, it's a revisiting, and it's instead of a boy and a girl love story, it's two. Uh, two oh, it's a boy and a gyno. Yikes. See, now I'm into nervous. it now. Uh, I got it. You've taught me a few you've, things. I'm in such awe of you. I'm <laughs> using old Lloyd, it's sorry. great to, to have you here. Congratulations on all the work you've done. Uh, the, the, the movie. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, Tox- uh, Citizen uh, Toxie. Wrestlers versus zombies. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the, I've heard about the that great movie. That's trauma. We just acquired it. It's oh, that's a trauma too. Yeah. Pro wrestlers versus zombies. Yeah, yes, we've, a lot of we've my acquired the that. rights to it. Pro, oh, so right. we're working on that. We had nothing to do with making it. Okay, but we were lucky enough to get the rights. So we're going to work on that and uh, see if we can get that do into a some series. theaters. And you've always got stuff going on, Lloyd. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Big fan, and uh, congratulations on all your work. Well, the Ayatollah of rock and roll is indeed. <laughs> A, a a god in Tromaville, Chris. Thank you Thank so you. much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks to Lloyd Kaufman and Eli Roth. What a couple of great guys. And so many amazing movies and moments between the two of them. Uh, you can freak yourself out and sleep with the lights on with Hostel. Or get grossed out at the over-the-top blood and gore uh, in the trauma films. As Lloyd Kaufman mentioned, the crazy death scenes in Toxic Adventure and so many others. Uh, and don't forget to upload your entry to Eli Roth's six second scare contest upload it to vine or twitter using the hashtag six second scare like eli said himself rob lowe elijah wood vanessa hudgens quentin tarantino will be judging them amongst others and winners will be announced on halloween night during eli roth's all night horror marathon at quentin tarantino's new beverly cinema eli such a a smart guy you got to check out some of these films these short films uh, including mine chop chop son on vine uh, go through my Vine account. Wake up, Chop Chop Son! Finish your dinner, Chop Chop Son! Chop Chop Son! Chop Chop Dad! Ah! Yeah, so that's uh, an audio version of the Vine movie that we made called Chop Chop Son. It's on Chris Jericho on Vine, or you can probably find it on Twitter too. Uh, and make your own if you want to. Remember, you can enter all the way up until Hall- Halloween. Uh, the winner of the Six Second Scare Contest gets a shot at developing an original idea with Eli and producers at Davis Entertainment. Go to fearthecrypt.com for more details. Such a great idea. And even if you're bored, hashtag Six Second Scare. That's the number six. I have found some amazing, amazing uh, short horror films that scared the bejesus out of me uh, and i think you'll enjoy them as well all right if you want to support the show remember the easiest way to do that is do your online shopping through my amazon links very easy to find go to podcastone.com click on the keep our podcast free banner at the top of the page then click on talk is jericho you see all three of my amazon links in the uk the usa and canada a every time you do that amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week no hidden fees or extra charges you're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process all right last week i played brides of fire by Fozzy. You guys loved it so much. I thought I'd play it for you again. Kind of a creepy song about evil brides uh, of fire. You know how the song came about. Crank it up from Do You Want to Start a War on Eek Week here. It's Halloween time and Brides of Fire.
right. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed Lloyd Kaufman and Eli Roth. We've got cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman. He's one of the top, top cryptozoologists in the world today. We're going to talk about lake monsters, Bigfoot, Mothman, New Jersey Devil, Chupacabra, giant snakes. So many crazy, crazy creatures that exist in this world or in the next. What are they? Lauren will help us decide. Plus, Tom Savini, another Talk is Jericho alumni, will be here to talk about his favorite movie death scenes, ones that he created when he was the king of special effects in the movies, and ones that he watched also. He's got some great Stephen King stories as well. All right, we're through. And in the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another fun-filled edition, scream-filled edition, of Talk is Jericho. We'll see you on Friday, and yeah, boy, eek week! Don't leave now. We haven't made you for dinner yet. (laughs) You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.